0: hello to all of our cnbc talks listeners welcome to episode two the last time you heard from us we were just getting into social media and how the church interacts with it in this next episode we're going to take a deep dive into how we should actually be engaging in social media we really hope that you enjoy this new episode sorry it took a while to get out but we really think it's going to be worth the wait well enjoy back and so far we've been talking about how the church should be and has been engaging in social media it's a cool story that i heard from a podcast put out by cbc that politicians both here in canada and south uh, south of the border in america they're winning elections based on their ability to be masters of twitter so it's not necessarily that they're out there manipulating people but they're actually engaging people where they are, which is social media. I think that there's a lesson to be learned there by the church, that this is a tool that can be used to spread a message to a
1: degree. You're making a strong case that Brett's title be changed to pastor of the Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if it's the Twitter, that's okay.
2: Or as a friend of mine likes to say, uh, if I could be the pastor of Postagramin on the old Twitter book, oh my that, I would like that better.
0: You guys just sound old right now, like Amy's. Colby, app- have you ever
2: yes. sent a postgram? Po- I don't, post <laughs> <Is> it- <laughs> an Instagram? A, no, no, like not Instagram. gram.
1: A, uh, isn't a post- postgram a thing? Like that? They I don't did think, back I don't know day. what I'm talking about. Is that a postcard? Weird in the hat would show up and sing a song at your door or when- something. A gram, gram post, postgram. When we Graham, got wow. Graham
2: Graham Grasm. Graham, Graham, Graham Post is a brand of cereal. Oh yeah, you're right.
0: Okay, when we got what? married,
2: <laughs> <laughs> post, there's a lot post, of misinformation sorry. just got spewed. When we got
0: married, Kate and I got this thing in the mail, and I did not know that there was a thing <laughs> called a moneygram. I have a new appreciation for mail because the things coming are actually giving me money what? rather than requesting to take
3: my money. What's yeah. a moneygram?
0: Like I don't even know how to explain it. It was like this
1: a gold sh- nugget. <laughs> I no. believe you were scammed.
0: <laughs> no, we cashed it and we had $100 in the bank. Oh, nice.
1: Whoa, nice. So, it was brilliant.
3: Uh, let's talk about this manipulation thing for a second. I, and I... Okay, you're saying about the influence that uh, politicians had by being present on Twitter, actually. That's where we got into the Twitter, pastor of Twitter, right? Yep.
1: <laughs> so, and...
3: Yeah, we're, we're, we we uh, we our intention isn't going to be to manipulate people. Um, that sounds like that sounds like sin, I believe manipulation, and but it is what you said, Colby, is about being present where the people are, and that is the importance. I think that's just the main point of our of our discussion earlier is just that. We need to be present in that town square, like Jesse said, uh, where the people are, in order to 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 talk to them.
0: But like, does that mean that we have to do like corporate, corporate church then on social media? Like, I'm kind of I kind of get confused with that idea, because if we are to go and engage them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, does it does it actually mean though? that we do church on social media or should we instead to engage as individuals on social media and then leave the ch- corporate church as the corporate. I don't know. I mean, Does that make any sense to any of you guys? You're smarter than me.
1: Kind of. We're moving into a definition of what the church is and let's not go there. Uh, perhaps next time we can do a podcast on what is the church or whatever, but
0: that sounds like a big podcast.
1: Well, it's a good one though. It's a good, good question to ask. But I think the, um, with regards to churches, um, local expressions of the body of Christ having a presence on social media is um, is an interesting thing to think about them progressing. So to say, like, oh, now that they have a Facebook page or now that they have a podcast, it's like now we're a better representation of Christ. Um, I don't think that's the right way to think about it at all. Uh, and to, however. The right way to think about um, churches being involved in social media and the need for it is simply the fact that a message always has a host in terms of um, how it gets out. And so if that host is not present in areas, the message is not going to be heard or received. So think of Jesus and you just follow um, him through, for example, the Gospel of Matthew. And um, he's um, by Galilee and then he's in the temple and then... He's on the side of a mountain, and then he's at um, some healing pools, and then he's back at the synagogue, and then he's with his family. He goes to places where people need to hear this message. And I think that's what we're kind of talking about. If this is where people are, um, then we need to do that. Um, Not because we're progressing or getting better, uh, but because our message is worth going to every corner of the intrasphere, intranet, and sharing that with all people from all nations.
0: I think it is cool, though. I know. I actually... like. I say that like it's awesome, but it is pretty cool to think that we can actually access probably more people now than the church has ever been able to access. Like maybe it's overwhelming and maybe at times you can even think it's disappointing that we've kind of let this go to waste. Like, you can kind of be, you know, just like, oh man, we've dropped the ball on this, but there's no time like the present to get started and to maybe start engaging, which is what like, I think we're setting a good example for by doing a podcast and getting media, out there and sharing it on social media platforms i think that's a really cool starting point point. and we could have sat here and complained you know like oh we don't have anything blah blah, blah. like when are we going to take that first step to progress a little bit i think this is an example of a good first step
3: i think it is too and i'm really i'm fascinated with these mic things so <laughs> i mean you should we should
0: <laughs> we sh- we sh- Did you say we should use or lose them Oh, good. Okay, because this does this whole podcast thing doesn't work if we don't have mics. But, like, like we talked about earlier, we alluded to some, there are sometimes some some dangers in social media on the internet. Just there's so much on there, so we have to be careful to a degree. Brett, you're a youth pastor, like you actually deal with kids. I thought he bit.
1: was pastor of
2: Twitter. Twi- twi- Twitter, uh, sorry, uh, pastor you're a Twitter of Twitter postagramming on the Twitter book. Yep.
0: Awesome. So y- you know about
2: this thing a little bit. What is it that I know about? I'm, I don't know. You social asking? media, you know, okay, the thing that we've yeah. been talking about this entire time. They call me the master of Kay. all things social media.
0: So I'm curious. I think that you put kids in this role where they have more information, content, and exposure than they've ever had ever. Like this is the most t- amount of information kids can get. Literally almost every kid has an iPhone at youth. So what are some tips that you can give to parents to help not only them, but their kids and their families engage and be on social media, be on the internet in healthy ways. Cause there is a lot of really not healthy ways to be on the internet as well.
2: Yeah. That's a, yeah. Big question. Um, first of all, there is an adolescent brain that is being overwhelmed with information and content that that brain cannot, um, discern well. Mm. Um, so, that is step one, have conversations with your kids. Parents, please be in conversation with your kids constantly about what they're learning, what they're being exposed to. And uh, yeah, they're probably not going to tell you very much at times. <laughs> but yeah, you need to be have good communication lines with your kids. Just uh, And that is not just texting them. That would be sitting down and asking them real life questions. Um, some other big things, like for me... I honestly, I struggle with the idea of parents giving their kids smartphones, um, you know, even like pre-driving age. I, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a struggle maybe to not allow your uh, adolescent child to not have a smartphone. But I think that struggle is definitely worth it. Um, And, you know, if if parents or families choose that they want their 12 year olds to have smartphones um, at at minimum you need to police that well there are so many different ways that you can uh, be checking up on your kids devices and what content they're viewing and all that stuff it's actually quite simple there's so many good resources out there Uh, parents that aren't doing it it's just highly unwise I could tell you horror stories for hours about um, kids Mm -hmm. getting into all sorts of trouble and parents just not not having a clue and uh, if parents care about their kids, they will educate themselves as to the the you know the technology that's out there. It's not that difficult, especially in this age of information. There's so many good resources. So, yeah, parents, that's Can just. Can I interrupt yeah, once? Like, what problem. are some of those
1: good resources? Would you have any books or anything to recommend? Oh, with I regards man, a
0: Tawny Dinger. So every time, <laughs> time there's like a product placement, go ding. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I got there's there's a lot of good ones. Uh Fuller
2: Youth Institute puts out tons of good books. Kara Powell's done a ton of good work there. Um one of those is just a kind of a, a simple one that came out. It's called Every Parent's Guide to Navigating Our Digital World. Um basically, you know, the overall thesis of that book would just be that while you have your kids under your own roof, you need to be responsible to teach them how to use their technology in helpful ways ways that actually reflect the gospel and you know not just leave it you know you can't just ban a kid from all things technology till they're 18 and they go out in the world and they don't have a clue how to use it uh with any discernment so it needs to be a process where you know parents are working and growing and learning with their kids um to to navigate this well probably the There's a new book that's just come out called Growing With. Uh, I would highly recommend that. Andy Crouch actually has a a kind of a classic on this. It's called The Tech Wise Family. Um, He has some really fantastic points in here just talking about, and I mentioned earlier, you know, as people, we want to create more than we consume. Um, There's a direct correlation between increased rates of anxiety and increased screen time. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't refute that. This is a bad thing. It's dangerous for kids Uh, It's dangerous for adults too. So uh, we need to be, you know, reducing our consumption. God designed us for uh, rhythms of work and rest as well. So one thing that Andy Crouch suggests and uh, something that they've done in their family is, you know, one hour a day, one day a week, and one week during the year, all the devices in their family are turned off. And they do things like worshiping together as a family. They feast together. They play. They sing. They enjoy each other's company. They, mm-hmm. They're they creative. Um, Will you, know, you, you be singing? You Your family? <laughs> Will What's I be family? singing? Yeah, I'm um, just curious. I'm pretty good at lullabies. Yeah, yeah that puts <laughs> small humans to, to okay. bed really quick. So that's nice. And then gives them nightmares. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they wake up and never need deals with them.
2: Yeah, there's just so, there's so many resources out there and we don't really, we don't, there's no excuses actually for uh, parents today to not be informed on this. I mean, it's, Yeah, it's a little bit of work to keep up on what's coming out next and the dangers out there. But um, yeah, from a youth pastor's perspective, you you have to do that work as parents for sure.
0: I know actually because I'm a podcast listener. I drive a lot. So then I listen to stuff. I think that's where I get most of my media consumption. And it was really interesting. There was one podcast that I listened to and it talked about how it's kind of how like the Google – mind works so they created this artificial intelligence that creates the schematic sort of idea that it literally gears people towards more extreme content all the time and if you're not that discerning as most kids aren't that discerning yeah. you can get caught in some pretty crazy stuff really quick lots of um radicalism and mm-hmm. lots of mm-hmm. really not mindful things mm-hmm. and i think that kids don't really realize that they are falling victim to it because they're kids sometimes. Yeah. I'm not trying to say they're stupid, but they just sometimes don't know. Yeah. I have
1: kids. They can be dumb.
0: They can be. <laughs> I, I'm basically a kid myself and ask my wife. I can be dumb.
2: Hey, Colby,
1: how old are you? I'm
2: 22. You're 22. So the human brain has this, like I don't know what the fancy word is, but impulse control center thing. That doesn't fully develop usually till around 25. Good. So this so is, you're, I you're basically just acting and speaking on impulse right now. So,
1: Brett, are you a late bloomer then? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I was going to put in a disclaimer. My impulse <laughs> control is weak. That's it's underdeveloped at best. But I, I think that <laughs> but it's, it's, it's relevant though for, it, for a teenager. It is. Exactly. They are acting on impulse. They're acting on their feelings. They can't discern. Um, not, I'm not going to say they can't. It, it is more difficult for them to discern well, especially without the help of a, a solid mentor or two or three or five in their, in their life to help them through uh, a lot of the struggles. Totally. And I think that
0: – I know that as a as a kid growing up, like my parents weren't on social media. Like they just – they weren't. They weren't part of that savvy group. And so I had times had to –
2: Patrick.
0: Navigate. Oh, yeah. Hi, Dad. Hi, Mom. You guys were good. <laughs> just the social media stuff was oh, – you guys didn't know too much. What? It's okay. But I think that it's – I think that it was cool f- at points for me to look back and say, oh, I really – was naive. I actually didn't know very much as a kid going on to social media. and So it was it's something that looking back, if I could tell my younger self just don't believe everything you read on social media and at the <laughs> same time probably don't use it so much. Yeah. So yeah. because I can't imagine if I do four hours a day now what I did <laughs> back in the good old days.
2: Were they really were the they really good old days? days? Were they good, Colby? They were okay. Huh, the okay old days. No different. one ever says that though. Oh, yeah. The okay. I want. Remember the okay old days. <laughs> the water was tepid at the best.
0: <laughs> it wasn't warm. It wasn't cold, but it was tepid.
2: Uh, tepid. Explain that to me like I'm six. Define tepid. Kind of fun. Oh, lukewarm or something. Sure.
0: So like, okay. But I would, I do want to talk about one more thing to do with social media, especially how it engages with um with Christians and this is maybe where it gets to be a little bit more into the into the theoretical side cuz I actually did a, I finished my bachelor's degree a year ago and as a capstone project I did about a full semester of research on how church discludes people on social media. So oftentimes when we post I've discovered it's not so much about who we are including but think about who we disclude with everything that we post. And I discovered that there is this thing called the good and the bad Christian. And we create this image of good and bad Christian. To what degree do you think or what people groups do we need to be very careful and very sensitive towards discluding from our gospel message when we're engaging online? Sinners. Yes, but we are all sinners, (laughs) Jesse. That is a very broad. Exactly.
1: So if we exclude sinners uh, by the way we post, then we exclude uh, essentially all humanity from. Being able to have access to the good news of Jesus Christ and the grace that he offers.
2: I'm just caught up now on whether, disclude, whether disc, <laughs> disclude is a word. Isn't it, you know is what it I'm, exclude? Ex- oh, I think it be, is
3: exclude.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, ex- it's okay. There's, there's my English major coming. No, I, like I was that. an English minor sociology major. Yeah. Yeah. Major on the sociology. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that we need to be super mindful and careful about what we are posting and who we are excluding from our conversations, especially when we're online.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think Jesse hits the nail on the head all. Yeah, you can't exclude any people group. You know, if if you're putting content out there where it's directly aimed at a certain people group in a negative way, um, that's not helpful, especially if it's you know, there's a time and a place to call someone out, but that's within a real human relationship. And most of the calling out that happens in scriptures within the church, you know Christians to other Christians who are professing believers in Christ they're you know we need to hold each other accountable, but if you're calling out non Christians on issues on social media, that is exclusive that is uh yeah that's just not that's not the heart of, of what we're supposed to be doing when it comes to accountability
0: yeah like I act. Ax-
2: I couldn't agree with you
0: more on that. I, th- I don't know, but, like, sometimes don't you feel like we need to, at certain points, like, where do we put our stake in the ground, sort of? Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like, nice, sometimes, yeah. I feel like sometimes we need to, like, make it known what we believe. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can tiptoe around issues to a degree. But at the same time, you know, you, like, when do you call sin out for being sin? Is it ever appropriate to do it on social media? Or is that just really not the place for it? Hmm. Hmm. Deep questions with Colby. Sing a song. Well, just so you all know, they're all grimacing right now, <laughs> just trying to be careful about what they say here. I'm
1: looking up something. Me- I missed the question. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I don't. Mm, that's a, that's a good question, Colby. That's a bit of a a bit of a thinker. I, you know, it would depend on the issue, perhaps. Um, you know, if we're <laughs> if there's a. Um, I don't know, debate on whether or not Jesus Christ actually lived or not as a historical figure I would put my stake in the ground and say anyone worth his salt as a historian would say that Jesus Christ was a real historical figure for certain there's more evidence of that being true than most or any other human of his era uh, were to be alive so you know on issues like that gospel issues um I think that we can we can put our stake in the ground it just you know when we're talking about secondary mm. or tertiary or fourth Woo. or fourth orary. yeah fifth that's a word those that octagon-ary, is too gone yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sounded weird yeah uh octagon issues when it's when it's lesser um issues or secondary doctrines I think yeah, we just need to tread a little bit lightly and when in doubt, Jesse mentioned a, a young fellow's name, Mark Whitelaw. He, you know, anyone that follows him on social media, you know, you, you read his stuff and you leave feeling hopeful. You're you know, you're kind of excited. It's like, yeah, I can be a Christian, I can love my neighbors and I can give the world a hopeful message. I don't need to yeah. be, you know, just uh pit, I don't need to pit myself against other people groups just for the sake of doing it.
3: I wonder, too, about what kind of uh, what the intention is in putting a stake in the ground. If, if you're using that terminology, what uh, are we trying to win an argument and how often is winning an argument an effective way to persuade someone about the love of the love that you have for them? How, how often is being right? Um, even when you are right, the most effective way to to care for another person. So I mean even I even if it is in a, a debate situation, I guess I just am thinking of um questions that I would be asking myself like is is this an appropriate place to stand up for what I believe in if that's what we're talking about? and it or is it important that I'm that my opinion is validated or is it important that I win this argument and I don't think winning or being validated are necessarily um, are 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 necessarily important um, factors for being a for for being a good friend I guess
0: I think on social media like I, I like what you're saying because I think sometimes I get the idea, and I think I've talked to Jesse about this. It feels like a battleground, Yeah. right? And I'm like, how often, how often are we called to battle, as Christians? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, take a stand, get on the hill. Like, what are you like? When are you going to stand up? And sometimes I think it would be cool to see a Christian like just not engage in certain situations and say like, you have your opinions, and I will hold mine, but. Like, let's respect each other by just agreeing to disagree sometimes. And
3: what argument, uh, like, I'm just, if we could just, um, what argument would you have out loud in the line at the concession at your local arena? You know, would, is this something you would speak out loud to someone or is it something that you just feel empowered because you are behind that screen and you you feel like you're typing impersonally? I guess um if you were speaking face to face with another human being would you speak so so bravely and maybe that maybe you should maybe that's the the issue or maybe you shouldn't
2: Yeah I think every uh keyboard warrior's confidence goes up sevenfold
1: when they are <laughs> that's yeah. a fact when they're being yeah. true to their their name keyboard warrior yeah I think we take uh Paul's um command to not be ashamed of the gospel as a license to be jerks Hmm. and that's not what he meant um, at all and if you look at paul's life um, he was not ashamed of the gospel in the sense of if you read in second corinthians of the fact that uh, he was persecuted for it he was put in prison for it he was beat for it Um, there is no shame in any of those low places in society for the sake of the gospel and I think you read the Beatitudes at the beginning of of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, and you recognize that when our world wants to do battle um, through words or through spewing lies at one another or arguing, um, as Christians we don't have to engage. Like no, we don't have to fight the way they do. And this is hard for us. Um, it's hard for all of us because when someone harms us or hurts us or says mean things to us we want to go eye for an eye we want to turn it right back on them um but we can't um because we are citizens of a different kingdom and this kingdom is one of peace um and it's one of humility uh, and it's one of gentleness and it's one of respect and it's one of love and so we need to be willing to engage in that way and if uh, we can't then silence is okay uh if 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 we don't know how to engage with this person in a way um, that is um, calm and faithful to the calling of Christ on our lives, um, it is okay to not say anything. Um, and that equally is not being ashamed of the gospel because you're living a gospel principle in the way you're you're arguing with them. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Like in, in, in our silence, <clears throat> in our not engaging in a particular issue, that doesn't yeah. mean we're not doing anything. It means absolutely. perhaps in that moment we're actually living out. Yeah. You know, christ intended kingdom ethic at that time yeah mm-hmm. I mean, that's far more beneficial than getting in a fight i know that mm-hmm. uh if i try to win arguments with my wife that never helps our relationship does yeah. that? Does it help any of your yeah, relationships? Is it mostly
3: because oh. you're often wrong?
2: Well, I'm almost oh. always I'm just, wrong. I, was and just I I'm not saying my <laughs> wife is an overbearing human or anything like that, but it's just it's pretty much
1: usually true that, uh, yeah, I've usually done <laughs> yeah. my impulse control has not kicked in and I've done something dumb. So, well, and how many times when Jesus was asked a question did he refuse to answer it? Often, mm. yeah, a lot. or or, or mm. turn it on them or and say, yeah. uh, ask a different question or something. And I think there is. Um, Just a higher, yes, higher virtue or higher calling um, on us as Christians. Um, Yeah, to be wise.
2: Jesse, you are, I consider you to be well-schooled in apologetics. Um, So someone who is very passionate about apologetics may... Uh, Want to refute what Mm -hmm. we've just been talking about last few minutes? Um, So, what what role, Colby? I'm taking your job for a minute. Ha! I love it. What role do you see apologetics playing in this conversation? Like, when, what is apologetics, and when do we, and when and how could we do it
1: correctly? Uh, Like specifically on social media, I think it's very tricky uh, because I think the truest sense of providing a defense of the gospel, which is apologetics has to involve uh, a life that is lived following Christ. And so one of the greatest apologetics, according to Scripture, is our testimonies, is the way we are living out um, being a disciple of Christ and following him and being formed um, in his image uh, by the power of the Spirit. And so if all of our apologetics comes down to intellectual arguments, we've lost the heart of Mm. apologetics. Um, the Christian goal is not merely an intellectual mind. It's a transformed life, mind, body, and soul. Uh, and so if our hearts cannot, um, if our hearts aren't transformed by the gospel, we're not actually Christians. And so that's, yeah, I would say it's tricky um, on social media to do apologetics in the way we kind of um, maybe the normative understanding of it, which is simply intellectual arguments. uh, I do think there's a place to have intellectual debates on social media. Absolutely. And there's tons of Christian apologists who do it really well. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I think, yeah, keyboard worrying, arguing and fighting. uh, I I don't know. I don't see a lot of fruit um, in it. I typically just get more entrenched in my position when I'm arguing um, with people back and forth.
2: Yeah, and I yeah, I found, you know, if if there's a bit of a heated, you know, or a uh controversial post, uh some article that's on, you know, posts about any controversial topic, <laughs> if you want to just get a little bit I don't know, depressed or just a little bit uh <laughs> read the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you oh, just scroll it's... down and read comments and the further you go, it's just the worse it gets and some yes. and like and not to be uh rude or offensive to anyone who has engaged in in these kinds of things, but um, just, the, you know, the level of care and concern for neighbor, uh, the level of just intelligent dialogue, just, it, yeah, it decreases. Um, it's not, it's not a healthy use of time. And often you got someone from Pennsylvania arguing with someone from Australia, it's like what on earth? Like <laughs> what's, yes. what is the point of that?
0: See, like I, I like one word you use, Jesse, in particular, i like the word fruit. I think that lots of things come down to what fruit it does this it produce? We
1: talking pineapple,
2: apples? What are we talking about? We're here?
0: talking about the like the fruit that we produce for Jesus. Like, oh, what, I see. Okay, okay, like
2: what? Isn't there a camp song about that, Colby? Yeah, it's about papayas. I like papayas. <laughs> you are a good singer, Brett. That is nice. <laughs> yeah. that? I'm uh, the next Frank Sinatra. Do you sing People that to your kids said, before bed? Just I don't know that I know all the words, but
0: I'll teach you sometime. Okay, good. But like. I think going back to this idea of fruit, it's, we can sometimes think that it's like if we do enough things for Jesus on social media, like if I post enough for him, like I defend my faith enough times, that maybe that equals my salvation. That's like my job. So I'm, I'm doing my job as a Christian. Whereas I think, not I think, I know that Jesus' call was not to sit there and fight with people, but rather bring people to him. And so what fruit is being harvested by my conversations on social media. I think that's a really basic and easy question that can be asked every time before you post, will this produce fruit of any type? And I think that if it's no, then you've got no business posting, posting on it, especially when it's something to do with, um, something that's controversial or slightly spiritual. Cause I mean, I can just come out and say it: the Oilers aren't very good and I sometimes enjoy watching people talk about the Oilers and how they're not very good because it brings you me some satisfaction.
2: Bite your tongue. You're just wearing a Boston Bruins. You're a bandwagon They are fan. going to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, buddy. Okay, just a
0: quick interjection to add some fun to this kind Where of...
3: Where did you get that Boston Okay, wait, Bruins let me shirt.
2: see one more thing. Okay, oh, so
0: we'll let Jesse finish, and then I'll tell my story about my Boston Bruins.
1: Yeah, you're, uh, just what you're saying uh, reminded me of one thing that I um, was challenged with recently, and oftentimes we think about... Uh, the way we dialogue and have to defend God and Christ, and um, and we do that by by winning arguments and being strong and being superior and having better arguments, and that's not all wrong. But at the same time, are we willing um, to be weak for Christ and misunderstood for Christ and maybe a little bit ashamed and maybe look like a fool for Christ? Uh, and and there will be times when that has to be the case in our arguments uh, or as we engage in social media. And I think that's something that, as Christians, we need to wrestle with. Are we willing to look like a fool for Christ? Because all of us are willing to look like the hero for Christ, right? The smartest one or the best one. Um, but what about when that argument you leave silent and, and you don't respond because that is the best Christian approach in that situation? Are you willing to do that? And that's a, a tough one to, to wrestle with, I think.
0: No, I think I think that's a super... I think that's a super reasonable thing to ask of yourself. Like, am I like, am I willing to just stop? Like, can I maybe not be the final
1: word? There's proverbs about that too.
0: Yeah, there's some wise right, stuff it, in the it, proverbs. It.
1: Well, it's wisdom literature, right, Amy? Yeah. You she just took a course on that.
0: Oh boy, Amy! Mm-hmm. Amy took a course.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to my Boston Bruins shirt, just so I can defend myself for a second to these yahoos. Yeah, what is that? Kay. Yeah, because I've
3: never seen it before.
0: Okay. I don't wear it because I'm what you would call a playoff Bruins fan. Now Wow. The Oilers have been a bitter disappointment for the better part of ten years. Okay? <coughs> and so there was an early part in my life where I was gonna be, okay, I can be patient, wait for the Oilers to make the playoffs. And they weren't doing it. So finally came a year when the Bruins played the Maple Leafs in the stand in like the first round of the playoffs. And the Maple Leafs had a four one lead with very little time left in the in the third period and the Bruins amazingly won the game and they single hand, like they just in that moment destroyed the Leafs organization. So you bought a shirt. No, I became oh. a Bruins fan in the playoffs because oh. I think like, my Oilers will never make it again. I need a team to cheer for in the playoffs. So I became a Boston Bruins fan and they have actually, they, they've done well for me since. Yeah. Yeah. i have
2: so Fair. that's and my Bruins story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And you get to rub that in Zach DeHogue's yes, face. Yes, that has
0: been the the best part. I became a Bruins fan before I met Zach Hogue, and just so you guys, anybody in our church does not know Zach. When you see him, he's a big guy, and he always likes the Maple Leafs. Tell him that they're not very good. You'll get a Fun
1: fact: He's a park ranger in Dillberry. Dill. Dil- I have no idea Isn't where it that is. Didsbury? It's that. actually Dillberry. Is it Dillberry? Yeah. Dillberry yeah. Provincial oh, well. Park. I used to call people that in like junior high. You
2: Dillberry. I think Colby. Mentioned that word earlier today, didn't he? Yeah. Uh,
1: that was a dill hole. Oh, I yeah, believe with okay. the Here anatomy of
2: <laughs> okay,
1: so we're kind of coming to maybe the end on of that this. note,
0: we're kind of coming to the end of this <laughs> conversation. You can tell because Brett's completely lost uh, the topic, but like, I don't want to end in this doom and gloom, you know, everything's so negative about social media because I, I do think that there is reason to be wise, as Jesse would say, when we engage on a social media platform, and there's a lot to consider but what are your what are your hopes like what are your hopes and visions for what social media can be as a tool for the church to use and like what do you honestly see social media being in the next few years like what's your what would it ideally be
1: if your social media presents that you are a hope-filled reasonable person you're winning Hmm.
3: Uh, what about also if it's a place to invite connection I don't think that real connection happens really often on social media but I think that people are do gather in groups and that can be a a positive thing and it 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 certainly invites or creates opportunity for further connection um, which I believe generally happens in in person but I think it can be just an invitation into community
2: yeah i think um going off what amy said and something we are starting to do at century meadows is you know just you know giving people a really brief recap of sunday sermon here's what you can um you know be preparing for for next week and you know a couple simple ideas of how we can be engaging in worship throughout our week so social media is fantastic for for things like that um, I, and you know, just kind of the the science behind all the screen time and how much damage it's actually causing us as humans. I think there, uh, maybe don't put this on record. I do think there may be a movement back towards more authentic community. I see, mm. I do see young people uh, moving that direction, and that's you know some of the evils of social media actually possibly producing a positive result here in the end. People seeking authentic relationships with one another actually seeking what the truth or uh sorry what the church is meant to be
0: yeah i think that like it would it, be short-sighted for us to say that like this is all negative it's all bad i think that's kind of what the message has been so far from from the christian community like in our area but rather now we're just going okay how can this be positive for me personally i see social media as a place where like i think education can happen I think that you can learn some things. I think you can get content that might be a little bit interesting.
1: Um, kind of like this podcast. Yeah, like exactly
0: this podcast. And that's my hope. That's why I wanted to do this. This is why I'm encouraged by having pastors and leadership that are willing to get out there on social media and at the same time, like put out good content that hopefully some people found this funny. Hopefully some found it kind of insightful and at least a little bit interesting that was our that's our goal with this and yeah that's awesome yeah it's awesome i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of at the, both excited and at the same time i'm going to approach it with a little bit of wisdom when i do social media thank you for that jesse any last words from any of you guys
1: i think i said a lot of wisdom not a little bit okay use Maybe. a lot of wisdom yeah. use all the wisdom yeah all of it yeah
0: that's all for of sure. It. so For anybody listening to this, thank you so much for sticking with us through the laughs and the Bretts and the Amy's and the Jessies. And yeah, we just encourage you that you don't just continue to use social media in the ways that you have, but you find new ways to show Jesus through this Avenue. That's our hope for you. And yeah.
2: So the, the pastor of Twitter book is, is just texting you right now, Colby. Actually, I might put a tweet out, uh, that i i love my brother i love my brother colby hashtag you're an amazing (laughs) podcast host that's how you put helpful content out there that's how
0: you put helpful content out there thank you you so much on twitter (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you again next time